Hello, and welcome to the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I'm Carl from selfsufficienthub.com, and I'm here to talk about all things self-sufficiency, all things homesteading, and about how we can reduce the gap between our consumption and our production. Sustainability and food security matters. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 364 of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I hope you're all safe and well. Today, I'm going to be talking to Tristan Faith of the foodforestproject.org. Now, this is an organization that I actually came into contact with on a day out with my family at a local fair, and it's a fascinating project, and I'm absolutely delighted to be sharing it and sharing all about it with you today. Uh, before we do, I have uh, a couple of tiny bits of housekeeping there. Some of them are quite ridiculous. So the first one is to say I've been misnumbering my episodes for the last few. I, I called the last episode number 400 and something. I basically I jumped 100 somewhere in my note taking and uh, it stuck for a few episodes. So this is episode 364 and the last episode was 363, not 463. I'm sure that doesn't matter too much to anyone, but I did want to just make that correction and that acknowledgement that I'd spotted it. Uh, that's the first thing. And then talking of corrections, I have a preemptive correction in this episode that you're about to listen to i just uh, i misstated a word i i said epistemology and i meant etymology um so uh, when we were talking about the origin of the word permaculture uh, i meant to say etymology which is the origin of word and those those of you the origin of words and, and those of you who uh, are like me a, a lover of the english language will probably wonder why i said epistemology it i don't know why and i knew i got it wrong as soon as i said it and i just i just wanted to uh, make that correct up front lest you think I was a fool um, anyway that's about it uh, just a quick reminder that on Friday's episode we'll be giving away the gardener's year by Alan Titchmarsh that will be going to a patron and uh, we'll be giving that away at the end of Friday's episode so if you'd like to get involved in that just consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub right that's everything let's uh, get into the interview and I'll hand you over now to my conversation with Tristan Faith Today I have with me Tristan Faith from the Food Forest Project. Hello Tristan, how are you doing? Hello Carl, yes very well, lovely to be here. Well ever so, ever so happy to have you here. It's uh, something that is of great interest to me and I'm sure most of my listeners, the idea of food forests full stop is something that gets me quite excited but uh, your organisation is beyond the idea of actual just a food forest somewhere, isn't it? Can you maybe just elaborate a little bit and tell us about the overarching themes of your organisation? Yeah, sure. So um, we we launched in June 2018. We're uh, essentially an intersectional environmental organisation. So, uh, you know, we, we're in, in the centre between social and environmental issues and where they meet. Uh, and we've got sort of myriad core objectives um, ranging from helping to alleviate food poverty, helping to uh, alleviate social isolation and chronic loneliness, reconnecting people with nature uh, through to carbon sequestration, uh, helping soil fertility and uh, increasing biodiversity in, in local areas. 
Um, so we've got lots of objectives uh, and we decided the best way of meeting all of those was to uh, was to plant community food forests. Yeah, no, it, I, I'm very I'm, I'm a very keen follower of what you're up to. And so maybe perhaps if I can get a feel for what your role is within the organisation, Tristan, and then we can go from there. Yeah, sure. So I'm the founder of the Food Forest Project. Um, so uh, I, yeah, I founded in, well, actually in uh, in uh, 2017, uh, I had the idea and I put it down on paper and I approached, approached a few friends uh, and uh, it sort of formed from there, really. And so are you generally on a, on a sort of day to day basis? What's you, what's your ship steering look uh, well, it's it's. I mean, I have to say, we're we're all volunteers. So you know, that I do this outside of my professional life. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I spend, oh, gosh, a, a couple of hours of every day uh, around my. Uh, I work in construction. Uh, around my job in construction, uh, sort of uh, doing bits and pieces like podcasts <laughs> um, yeah. and uh, talks and uh, other bits and pieces as well for the organisation. And geographically, what mm. sort of footprint, excuse the, excuse the pun, <laughs> uh, do, do you have? Um, so do, do you mean the area that we, area that we frequent? Yeah, well, everything, everything about, you know, where have you, where have you touched the ground and, mm. you know, what are your visions of the future? Mm. Okay, well, um, so we... We're centred in Shepton Mallet, so you could say that our headquarters is in Shepton Mallet, and that's because that's where we uh, were all living uh, when we kicked the organisation off. Uh, we've got three projects in Shepton Mallet, one of those being the food, food Bank Market Garden, as well as the three food forests. Uh, then we've got uh, community food forests in Wedmore and West Pennard. We've got another one that we're just designing at the moment, ready for Evercreech, which is a village just outside of uh, Shepton Mallet, which is another two-acre food forest. Uh, and uh, we've got various others in the, in the pipeline uh, that range from Bristol, uh, working with the Ashleyvale Trust, uh, to, to Bar uh, Bath, or just outside of Bath, uh, Midsummer, Norton and Madstock, uh, and, uh, and so on, really. And then eventually the long-term goal uh, is, to, uh, is to buy uh, a farm uh, in Somerset uh, where we will uh, regeneratively grow produce within an organic system for free for all of the local food banks to try and uh, instigate sort of systemic change uh, within Somerset. That's uh, a really lofty goal and <laughs> uh, I, 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 I've got no real direction that I want to go in today particularly I mean there's I've got lots of things I want to get into and know about but just while you've, you've mentioned the farm I, I suppose we're starting at the end but what's the plan for actually funding that? Mm. Well uh, I mean uh, you know at the moment we're, we're completely grant grant funded uh, we have we rely on sort of private donations etc but for the farm uh, that's going to be obviously a, a lot larger amount of money that's required um, so we are looking at um, converging with other organisations, other groups uh, in the area um, from the Somerset Wildlife Trust through to uh, smaller sort of community groups, uh, community fridges, larders, that sort of uh, thing um, to go in on a, on a sort of jump, joint funding application, joint fund, crowdfunding uh, enterprise uh, to look to raise the money 
that way to buy the farm so that it becomes a collective uh, rather than just, you know, the food forest project. Yeah, I was thinking more about the long term funding of a project like that. Would it would it run as a profit as well, a profit making enterprise as well, and not necessarily overall generating a profit? But will there be an element of profit making making which would then subsidise the other activities of the farm or not at all? Yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah. one of the things we'll do is, you know, have things like lectures, um, conferences. You know, we'd look to have a real real farming conference uh, that that is centred on the actual farming looking at regenerating communities as well as soil um and uh, you know we would make uh funds that way to help the place uh, tick over yeah so you're, you're definitely part of a much bigger movement in that direction which is just so rewarding to see uh, going from things like which i'm sure you've seen that the kiss the ground show on Mm. netflix and just the general feel i personally have family and friends that work in agriculture and i know that not so long ago the idea of regenerative agriculture and the idea of sequestering carbon and the idea of looking after your soil rather Mm. than just looking at it as a medium to pump chemicals in and food from that 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 has been a sea change that certainly in my lifetime has has definitely happened it's not something that is this wishy-washy idealist vision it's very much mainstream or at least in the mainstream zeitgeist even if not everyone's doing it yet everyone's aware of this idea and would you agree with that would you say that you've seen that shift play out yes uh w- yes we have um i think it's it's quite a dangerous uh time at the moment uh with with the term regenerative and i think this is something we have to be collectively very mindful of because uh you know part of the issues we have uh holistically speaking is monoculture right yeah. so uh, and what we're seeing within industry uh is people using the term regenerative uh in a sort of a um uh, jumping on the bandwagon, bandwagon trending, greenwashing, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, and because it is uh, largely an unregulated at the minute, unlike, uh, for example, organic. Yes. Uh, and uh, it means something very, very different in places like Australia, America, uh, uh, to, to, to Europe. Uh, and uh, I think we just have to be careful about, um, you know, how we how that's managed. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, so it's, it's really important that uh, it's a holistic, uh, that people are using it in a holistic context rather than a sort of a monoculture context. Sure. And um, I, I promise we will talk about food forests in a second, but uh, <laughs> we just, we, we've opened up this little can and I'm quite enjoying the worms in it. So mm. the, the, um, the interesting thing there, I was recently on a, I was, I spent a day at a farm and it's a fantastic place down in Devon. And I'll have to put you in touch with the people there after the show, but uh, they basically, they're running a completely organic, but completely uh, regenerative in every sense of, the, sense of the word there farm where they're producing grains and they're running it in rotation with pigs and it's all uh, polycultures even the grain growing is polycultures the fodder mm. that they're growing for the animals everything it, it sort of it really does tick all the boxes and the guy there is so passionate about it and one of the things that we spoke about 
on the day it was a question that someone else asked while we were there is is they sort of said you know if you want to support this type of farming what label do you look for and and there's a real problem there mm -hmm. that I, I don't know what the solution is do, do you see one or or is there one out there coming because as you say there are certain terms that are protective and the closest thing we've got is organic but that's not the same thing no no well it's it, it, yeah i mean it's uh you know we're the 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 sort of the, the cusp of the wave at the moment and uh, i know in america they're they're starting to sort of formalize uh regenerative standard a bit more aligned with that which we see with organic but of course the major and salient issue there is that um, organic is not necessarily accessible to all stratas and demographics within uh, you know within our communities within our societies and that's a major major problem because regenerative has to be accessible uh, to the people that need it the most uh, hence why we produce regeneratively for food banks because it is getting to the grassroots and making it accessible to everybody um but uh, you know so when when we although it needs to be regulated uh, i believe uh, and although we need to come up with uh, perhaps a, a sort of more fixed definition um it needs to incorporate all stratas of society so people are not left out uh ensuring polyculture rather than monoculture yeah it's that difficult balance between production and the division of labor and mm. and where that road leads isn't it it's the difficult mm. balance between that and um as you say making it accessible i know something that from a from a social ethics point of view something i've i've struggled with a great deal is i often preach the virtues of raising your own food and raising your own meat and things like that and of course it's not available to everyone and it's that's not something i've shied away from that dichotomy but it it's uh, it's definitely a tough a tough box to try and put a tick in but you mm. you're trying to move in that direction and what so what, what have you actually what what would it what would it look like right now insofar as the route of food from some of your food forests are they moving into the hands wants to go and pick or, or how does it work yeah well it's i mean we we have diversified so you know part of the you know one of the other objectives of the organization is to make land accessible for everybody you know so it takes it out of sort of uh, being sort of private and inaccessible to uh, or inaccessible to making it accessible to everybody and that's that is uh, you know part of what we're trying to achieve um so you know our our food forests are run on some of its private lands some of its public lands you know some of its kind of farmers that own the land some of its um, you know local authorities uh, and we're trying to open that up um what we quickly discovered was that um particularly in rural areas um you know we may go and plant a two acre food forest in wedmore or in Evercreature in shepton wherever but uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's accessible to everybody uh, in a physical sense um so and this is part of the reason why we started the food bank market garden because then the people that can't necessarily come and uh, harvest their own produce uh, in in the food forests mm -hmm. uh, can then you know obtain it via other means you know through us delivering to the food banks and to the community fridges and larders you know so so we're really trying to uh, make sure that 
you know, everybody can get the produce that we are growing, whether it's through uh, foraging and harvesting in the food forests or through the uh, food banks and community fridges. And, and are your food forests sort of open for anyone to just pop into or? Yeah, yes. I mean, again, this is slightly changed. So the two, two in uh, two of the three in Shepton Mallet are open 24-7. They're both pretty accessible, I would say. Uh, certainly the forest garden right in the centre of town is. Uh, and the on the one, uh, the West Shepton Food Forest on the cusp of town uh, has a little car park. We've got cycling bays and uh, what have you. And that's they're both open 24-7. Same with Wedmore uh, Food Forest, same with Evercreech. Uh, however, West Pennard and uh, the... Uh, larger uh, food forest in Shepton for various reasons are through appointment only so people can come that's absolutely fine Uh, but the landowner has decided at a later stage that actually uh, they felt it wasn't perhaps safe um, having them open 24-7 so what we're doing is making sure that any produce that's produced in those food forests are going into the boxes that we deliver to the food banks. And are you having an issue with that at all with uh, obviously your plans changed for the use of the space? So do you have any issue with food wastage or are you managing to harvest everything, do you think? We're not managed to harvest everything, but that was never the point because the, the food forests are designed so that they're 50 percent, uh, you know, 50 percent for the land, for the environment, uh, yes. for nature, for wildlife and 50 percent domestic. So domestic harvest. So for people. So we're not, you know, part of what we're doing is, uh, you know, regenerating the earth. And what is needed for that is decomposing matter, you know, and as much as we don't want to see lots of very useful crops going to waste, some of it is an essential part of, you know, going back into the earth um, to ensure fertility uh, for, for sort of future generations. So, you know, so, so some of it, we, we, we capture most of it. And, you know, I was down in the Hillmead Forest Garden today and there were families in the uh, um, harvesting the, the red currants and the black currants and the cherries and stuff that are coming out. Um, so, you know, we're, most of it gets taken um but you know we're not concerned about some of it going to the floor and um regenerating the soil sure so you said right at the output that you you straddle the social and environmental worlds with your vision of where you go forwards you personally tristan do you do you have a personal interest just in the makeup of a food forest and how you design and build one or are you more a big picture guy who's less interested in that yeah, so I, I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sort of a systems thinker, uh, and although I idea of the organisation, it's really my brother who has qualifications in uh, horticulture and uh, uh, and agriculture that is more um, interested in the um, the design and the details of the food forest themselves. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that I you know don't have any interest. Of course yeah. I do, uh, but as you have just rightly pointed out, I'm I'm more of a sort of a holistic systems based thinker. Uh, I, well, I've, I would like to, I would like to think, uh, <laughs> and my brother is uh, is more of the kind of uh, he does the designs for the food forests. So what what does a food forest look like? What does one of your food forests look like? Perhaps you could walk us through it. What sort of crops have you got growing there? Yeah, sure. So um, the food forests, generally speaking, uh, go up to about seven seven layers. So that if you consider that they are food producing woodland that have seven layers, and each layer is integral to the way that the 
uh, systems self-regulate and function in terms of being habitat for predators or food that's grown, uh, etc. So um, what we do as an organisation is we work with local communities to plant the first three layers. That's really important. So the first three layers go in. They have to grow a bit or they need to grow a bit before you can start planting the other four layers. So what we do is we plant the first three layers and then hand them over to the local community. We work with the local community to develop those spaces to get the other layers in, in, in accordance to the needs of the area. You know, so in Wedmore, it was felt that uh, in their food forest, what they wanted were sporadic raised beds throughout to put uh, to plant the other layers in. Whereas in Shepton, one of the other food forests is a little bit more wild than that. Uh, and the vertical layers uh, are going up the trees, whereas they won't be in the Webmore plot. So if we take the West Shepton, uh, one, of the West, uh, one of the Shepton plots, for example, uh, we've currently got um, the canopy layer, which is growing things like uh, sweet chestnuts, walnuts, um, hazelnuts, um, and, and bits and pieces like that then we've got the mid layer which is again is a, a tree in sort of a shrub layer uh, which is growing things like um, your apples your pears your cherries your plums um, quince um, and other other nut varieties uh, and then we've got the sort of a the shrub shrub layer which is a lower layer kind of ground cover uh, which where we've got um, raspberries red currants white currants black currants strawberries uh, and uh, bit, bits and pieces like that. So, so we let those, we let that first three layers develop. Uh, we we sort of see what is going growing well for each spot. Um, we do quite a lot of soil analysis and uh, flora and uh, flora count, fauna counts in that first sort of couple of years, and then we uh, then we help develop. Uh, the further four layers in accordance to that kind of data collecting really um, and see what else would grow well in that space or you know perhaps what wouldn't grow well in that space so which is your most established garden at the moment or, or forest rather and, and how long since you first planted it yeah so as i say i mean we launched in june 2018 our first plant up was west shepton that was in uh, march 2019 and um, so you know the the forests themselves are still relatively fledgling um the interesting thing has been that the hellmead forest garden which was our last project which was december 20 uh, uh 2021 uh has actually produced quite a lot more food uh, than the uh, West Shepton, which was planted initially. And uh, we think that's because it's uh, a less wild system. So, you know, in West Shepton, you've got your white glass grasses and your more virulent sort of floras that are perhaps taking more nutrients away from the trees, mm -hmm. uh, meaning that they're developing slightly slower. Um, so, um, but they're all they're all producing, and uh, over the next sort of four to five years, you know, you, you'll see uh, some really um, large large yields. So, I'm really interested in that difference between mm. the, those two forests that you just mentioned, and the reason I'm so interested is because I'm wondering, my brain is is ticking over and, and wondering if that's something that will change when you've planted the rest of the plants, which are then 
from a from a permaculture point of view and a food forest point of view, I would have thought they would be put in and going to be designed to kind of tick over on their own and, and almost outcompete those other less essential plants. Is that is that part of the thinking, or am I am I on the on the wrong track? Um, it it is, and and I don't I don't want to go make this horribly complex, but uh, in in the West Shepton plot, for example, um, we've got a lot of precious flora in the grass so we are what we don't want to do is go and introduce uh, too many potentially invasive species that might actually disturb existing habitat existing precious floras Uh, so the so but whereas in perhaps the um rock farm food forest which is another one in shepton uh we are going to be introducing uh, a larger amount of um and a more diverse amount of um flora uh, and other uh, vegetation uh, that will of course um succeed uh, the existing rye grasses and, and other other um, vegetation existing uh which will help the uh, food forest to kind of develop and, and speed up and uh, produce a larger amount of um, produce. Yeah. And, and of course, from a perfectly selfish point of view, I know that the, <laughs> the, the whole idea isn't uh, yields. I know that's not like the only box we're trying to tick here with this project. I, I completely mm. understand that mm. and I'm on board with it. But at the same time, it's not you don't you don't mind losing some yield to another plant taking nutrients that's also providing you with a yield nearly mm. as much, do you? <laughs> no, well that's it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's balance, isn't it? And and you're right. I mean, it's uh, you know in a in a regenerative agricultural aspect, you know that is that that's the thinking. I guess what one would say is that the West Shepton food forest is more more orientated to rewilding than it is to regenerative agriculture yeah you know uh whereas in a in another uh food forest say the rock farm food forest it is more orientated towards the regenerative agriculture than it is the rewilding yeah i am also i'm quite struck by the the you you haven't used the word permaculture once (laughs) and i I wonder if that's a deliberate uh distinction that you're making Mm. we have got slight misgivings as 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 the uh, organization has developed and we've become to know more about uh, permaculture and about the permaculture philosophy uh, we've started using it less because of the concern with uh, indigenous practices and the uh, consideration that needs to, and, and sensitivity around uh, the the term permaculture uh, that's being used and how it's uh, perceived by some to be um, perhaps uh, in contention to uh, indigenous indigenous people and indigenous practices so what we're doing is we're we're sort of ourselves we're learning more uh, and we want to be uh, we do want to be regenerative and that of course involves cultures uh, and different cultures and we're trying to be sensitive uh, to those cultures and those practices uh, and so we've we're not we're not not using the term permaculture we just need to learn more so that we aren't inadvertently smothering uh, existing uh, philosophies and cultures okay so um, I'm just trying to make sure I understand what you're saying you you mentioned indigenous cultures are you talking about on this island or are you talking elsewhere 
Well, ev- everywhere, everywhere, you know. So, so you know, there's. Uh, I mean, you've probably come across the debates uh, in, in in your line of work, but uh, you know, there are lots of uh, indigenous people uh, all over the world that have that are taking umbrage with the uh, with permaculture as a as a sort of a philosophy, as, and they have issues with you know sort of white westerners essentially <laughs> y- using it. Uh, I, I know this is slightly contentious, and, and I'm still learning a lot about it myself. But sure, like, sure. using it as a as a, a, a sort of a, almost like a colonial term uh, in a, in a sense, uh, and we're just trying to be sensitive to that aspect of things so that we're not marginalising people. Um, and yeah, so it's you know again it's it's all very fresh to us and we're we're sort of learning more and more about it but we're starting to use it's very astute of you to pick that up and we were starting to use regenerative uh more than permaculture um uh, anyway sure well w- one of the things i am interested to just pull on this thread ever so slightly is the mm. um epistemology of the actual word and and mm. the, it derives from permanent agriculture and i'm just mm. wondering whether that fits your sort of long-term view for these food forests or whether you're going to consider them as places that need managing mm. rather than just harvesting. That's the, the main uh, part of, of that, of that path. I'm, I'm keen to walk with you is just to find out what your sort of long-term goals with regards to them being permanent agriculture that kind of look after themselves mm. versus them being a managed space. Mm. Well, we, um, <sighs> Because all of our food forests are slightly different, because they are tailored to the communities in which they're planted, as I said earlier, you know, we we do research before we design them to understand what the needs are within the specific communities in which they're planted. It would depend on each food forest. So some of them will more, you know, be largely be sort of wilder systems that, uh, you know, maybe we would design the further four layers to kind of self-regulate. Others may be more fettered systems, so systems that require slightly more uh, to be slightly more managed. Um, I mean, what we do do when we hand over each project to each community, we have a, a management and maintenance plan. It's a sort of a, a document, a strategy uh, that's issued to the community group that looks after the food forest. Uh, and that gets adapted over time by ourselves in conjunction with the community group uh, in accordance to the the food forest that they are looking after uh, and is different per food forest so i'm sorry i can't I, i'm not avoiding your question it's just difficult because yeah no we i get have, it yeah a more diverse range of projects if that makes sense yeah um so you've mentioned the the top three layers we've got mm. our sort of our overstory our smaller trees and then our larger shrubs perhaps mm. you could spend a second just to walk the next four yeah so um you know then you, we would have uh, the ground cover uh, the rhizosphere you know under the soil uh, and we'd have the uh, ver- vertical growing and the herbaceous layer um so those are the sort of final four um mm-hmm. and you know you need well it de- depending on what you have in the system the vertical layer would probably be the last to go in because you need the um, upper story for it to uh, to to grow to grow up. Um, but um, you know the the other the other three layers can go in. You know, sort of largely uh, any time, depending on the spans of the trees that you've put in and the other the other layers that you've put in. 
Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that's always been daunting to me about a food forest is that sort of time scale. I'm a very, very mm. impatient man. And, uh, <laughs> I, I don't think that lends itself to starting a food forest from scratch if you're incredibly impatient, because so much of it is about patience, isn't it? Particularly with those 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 first layers that go in. What is your sort of time scale for you know, and I, and I, of course, it will vary from project to project. But generally mm. speaking, if you were to say if if I was and, and I'm sure you would consider it to be lucky. But if you were lucky enough to be able to do a thousand of these, mm. you know, what what would you imagine the average time taken be for the the first spade going in the ground to planting the and of course i understand as well it's never finished but you know getting <laughs> getting to, to actually having it up and running with all seven all seven layers yeah well we, we we would say an acre would be about five years so so at five years you're going to have all of your seven layers in uh and you're going to be seeing results from all of those seven layers yeah um and of course, there are variants on that, but you know that's that's what we would say. Yeah, no, that sounds very reasonable, mm. and of course, uh, it helps to have some experience with it. So uh, <laughs> you, you'll, you'll only get better and better, won't you, Tristan? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, just towards as, as we come towards the end of the conversation, then, because yeah, I've hit everything I wanted to to go through with you, bar a couple of points. I just wanted to ask what your vision is of the future. Where do you see yourself being in one year from now and where do you see yourself being in 10 years from now with the organisation? Mm, good question. Um, I mean, we at the moment with the resources that we have, we plant a food forest every year. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, certainly every year we'll be planting a new community food forest in communities all over Somerset, Baines and Bristol. Um, in the longer term, you know, we hope to get more funding so that perhaps we can do m- more food forests per year, but also, as I previously mentioned, uh, to buy a, a sort of a, a centralised farm that would be uh, yeah, set focused on regenerative agriculture um, where we would design the food forests from uh, so we would have that would be HQ as it were then we would have our satellite projects around that so in let's say 10 years time we'd have the base in Somerset and then we would have yeah you know perhaps many many more satellite food forest projects going yeah. uh, and and be able to support many many more community groups in in um, developing those so, so you just mentioned there that the barrier to increasing your sort of um what what, what what's the word the, the the number that you can produce in a year mm. is mm. funding you haven't mentioned the spaces like acquiring the actual spaces is that something <laughs> you find quite easy well yeah i mean this was the, this is the again a really interesting point um when we when we kicked off uh, we thought that the difficult thing would be to find land, to find landowners that were willing to just uh, either leave land in trust to us or, you know, or, or whatever, open to the community sort of 24-7. But actually, people have literally thrown land at us, uh, which which wow. sounds, so, yeah, which sounds so, so um, wild to sort of say. But um you know, we, we ha- every project we run, we have landowners, whether it's local authorities or private landowners or, or whatever, coming to the events and they say, 
we've got this space here, we've got that space there, can you do this, can you do that? So, so what we have now is a, an application, we have a criteria application which gets sent out to people uh, and uh, the, next, the next round of applications closes at the end of August uh, where we'll be deciding uh, which of the projects is, you know, meets our core goals. Um, and uh, yeah, so we, we've not had we've not had that issue, which we thought that we would. So it's it's really it's been funding that is is the, the, the more critical issue at the moment. That's really positive. Oh, that's a really positive thing to hear. Yeah. Um, so is there anything that you wanted to bring up that we haven't touched upon yet? Um, don't don't feel under pressure if there isn't. That's absolutely <laughs> fine as well. <laughs> um, no, not 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 really. No, I mean, I just uh, you know, not 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 really. It's just a very very interesting conversation to have with you. Uh, clearly, you know, you're very knowledgeable, and I would hope that your your listeners are very knowledgeable as well. And uh, so, it's just been a very very interesting conversation to have uh, right. with you. And uh, yeah, hopefully, we can carry this conversation on. You know. Uh, offline even uh, you know with yourself and your for sure. listeners for sure um, so I'm going to end with three quick fire questions mm. and uh, most of the people that I interview have a homestead of, of some fashion or another so mm. uh, these might not be or one of them might not be particularly apt but we'll see how we get on <laughs> if you could only grow one plant what would it be gosh <laughs> oh. I did. I didn't expect this this to stump you more than any other question all day. <laughs> <laughs> probably comfrey, I would say. Probably comfrey. Comfrey. Yeah. Um, if you could only keep one animal, and I will include wildlife in this for you, uh, what would it be? Bees. Bees. Wild bees. Mm. Not not honeybees. Not honeybees. Wild bees. Yeah. 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 And finally, if you were able to send yourself from five years ago a text today, what would you tell yourself? Start thinking in a systems way more more speedily. <laughs> <laughs> Get on with it. <laughs> Get on with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Well, before we wrap up, Tristan, could you just let everybody know where they can find a little bit more about you and, and how they can help? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Carl. Uh, so if you would like to know more about us, you can visit www.thefoodforestprojects.org and you can have a read about what we're doing. Look at the projects on our website. Uh, and please follow us on social media. That's at Food Forest Proj for both uh, Facebook and Instagram. And uh, do get in touch. And if you want to come and join in at uh, any of our events, our next event is going to be November uh, 2022, where we'll be planting the first three layers of a two-acre food forest. Fantastic. Well, I, I will uh, try and actually be there myself because you're not too far away from me. So that's fantastic. Well, thank you ever so much, Tristan. And uh, we will stay in touch for sure. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Carl. Pleasure. Take care. This episode of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast was brought to you by our patrons. You guys are awesome. If you'd like to support the show, there's lots of ways you can do it. The easiest of which is just to like and review it wherever you get our podcasts. You can also tell somebody about it, whether that's on social media or just face to face with a friend who you think might benefit from it. But however you support our podcast, we really, really appreciate it. If you'd like to become a patron, please consider doing so by going to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. However you support the podcast, it's listeners like you that make all of this possible. 
Thank you ever so much for listening, and I'll speak to you really soon.